Hey everybody, it's Dave and Darren here, and we're about to start your Vikings pregame show as we have the Vikings versus the Cowboys on Sunday night in U.S. Bank Stadium. Woohoo! Welcome to Two Old Bloggers, your 2021 pregame show for the Vikings. Hey everybody, it's Dave here once again. Also, on my side right here, Darren Campbell from the frozen north up in Yellowknife, Canada. How are you doing, Darren? I'm doing well, Dave. Hopefully uh, you're doing well, too. We're back from a week hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we forgot to tell everybody we, we weren't going to be around last week, last Saturday, because Dave had to go to the Renaissance event and uh, with uh, with his daughter katie and and uh, mingle with all the lords and ladies yep it was a good time too so, real good time yeah you're telling me like uh i, I was checking out the uh, link you provided and the, yeah it looks uh i'm not uh into that sort of medieval kind of stuff but um if i was that would be the place to go just the eye candy alone would be worth it, Darren. <laughs> but, all right, it's time to talk about the game we've got coming up at U.S. Bank in prime time, NBC Sunday Night Football. It gives the entire day for Vikings fans like you and me to get lubed up and get loud. <laughs> We're talking about, oops, might bring you in here. We're talking about the Dallas Cowboys game. And why isn't Bada Bing right there? Cowboys. There we go. There's Vikings versus Cowboys. Stefano graphics. Yeah. Give me a second while I pop open another beer. I've just killed one. I see Mary's with us today. We have Michael off of Facebook and Mary off of YouTube. Welcome to the show, you guys. I would, I would never want to get in the way of you and your beer, Dave. So you just no, go ahead and that could be dangerous. Get that thing, get that thing cracked open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. it. I hate to go. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Well, I was about I to say you gave me this long, massive list of talking points, and we might as well get into them because there are plenty. Um, <laughs> I do want to start out with the very first thing. That you requested. Let me find it here. Ba 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 boom. This is a big yeah. game. Yes, uh, I don't want to go. I hate to go Captain Obvious on people. <laughs> Skull Raymond. But it is a big game. Big game for the Vikings. Uh, they've got a at three and three. They're in a precarious situ- uh, situation because uh, they 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 you know they're right now they're in the playoff race. Really? Very good, but uh, a loss—you know—a loss that takes you to three and four. It kind of dro- drops you back amongst some of the other dregs. Four and three—it gives you a little bit of breathing room. Uh, and for Dallas, they're fighting for not winning the division, which I think is pretty much a foregone conclusion for them right now with everybody else in the division. And their division. Or worse. And, and we'll get to this—we'll get to the standings later in the show. But yes, you are right. This is a big game and it means a lot probably more to 
maybe slightly more to us than the Cowboys, but the Cowboys do, I think, you, like any team, you want to get the, the, the over one, number one overall seed going into the playoffs, have home field advantage throughout the whole playoffs, and get that week by. That's that's what every team in the playoffs is fighting for, and right now the, the Cowboys are right there in it, thanks to Arizona losing on Thursday night, that team from Wisconsin winning Thursday night, so it... Uh, they have, uh, they've got a loss. The Cowboys have a loss. Cardinals have a loss. Rams yeah, also only have one loss. Top five it's teams kind of are with one loss. Yeah. Now yeah, Tampa the, Bay as well. Uh, Green Bay, as of today, has played two more games than we have. So we still have yes. time to catch up, people. Don't think it's all over. Uh, I saw this <laughs> week, ah, they're four games ahead. We've lost. Now, if we win, like I said, they're two games ahead. If we win those two games, right, we make it just to two games, and then we have to play them twice. So it's not it's not over till what the proverbial saying, um, till the fat lady sings, and she ain't singing yet. Not uh, yet, but she's getting her voice warmed up. <laughs> now, Michael started out to Dak or not to Dak. Is the opening question. Are we going to see Dak Prescott or are we going to see Cooper Rush? Yeah, I uh, I really feel that uh, we will see, uh, you know, we saw the line on Vegas go, uh, like the whole line on Vegas had the Cowboys uh, with two up, uh, I think they're favored by 2.5 and then it's swung wildly since then. Uh, Vegas tends to know things, uh, and so I've based on the, the Cowboys are being very coy about this as well. They, right. they you would expect them to, uh, but uh, I think you know with Prescott kind of saying, "Well, you know, it's not just this game; it's about the whole season." Uh, him saying he was a sore, or McCarthy saying he was sore yesterday after ramping things up. Right. I think that we are going to get. Cooper Rush as the quarterback, not Dak Prescott, but the Cowboys are going to look long-term here and think that uh, they'd rather give him an extra week of healing and not try to aggravate the, the calf injury anymore Any by further? playing him yep. against a team that has a, has a vicious, has had a pretty vicious pass rush throughout the season and like that here as Vikings fans. I think that that's, that is what I'm expecting to see. Uh, and uh, that'll be – it makes for a very different, I think, uh, game plan both for Dallas and for the Vikings defense if Cooper Rush is in there and not Dak Prescott. Well, I hope it's relatively similar for our defense. I hope it's just get the front guys to rush as much as possible and meet at the quarterback and get the back guys to defend pass any sort of passes. Simple stuff, Right. Um, yeah, yeah. You talked about a the easier, maybe maybe a little bit easier to execute with with Rush back there than than Prescott, who's a little bit more mobile, a lot more experienced, and a lot more accomplished. Yeah, he may be. Yeah, headwise, it's still going to be tough against that offensive line that Dallas has. Now, you talked about well, the line switching when this game opened. Dallas was favored by two and a half. As of this morning, the Vikings are now favored by three. That's a five-point swing on just one player. So Vegas has to be convinced Dak will be resting. 
Raymond Fry is at, Raymond Fry, the other Raymond asked, is Cooper Rush any good? And uh, the answer to that is, who knows? Uh, he's thrown three passes in, in NFL games, uh, 2017 undrafted free agent. And uh, he's just a big wild card in this. He, he did play a fair bit in the preseason. I think he threw 21 passes in total. I looked at all it was like yeah, like fifty-one night. snaps or something like that, and it's been the same for his whole career. He plays in the preseason and then disappears. And uh, that would be the to be expected. I think that uh, you know, uh, guess who uh, was Tyler Conklin's uh, quarterback the first three years of, of his college career? I didn't know that. Cooper Rush. They're both at, from Central Michigan. Uh, and uh, Cooper Rush gra- graduated a year before Conklin did. And Conklin was a 2018 draft pick, and Rush was a 2017 not drafted. <laughs> but uh, looking at uh, looking hey, at uh, the I, I, because that the Cooper Rush was a possibility for starting this game. I kind I looked at you know uh, uh, before this last week, I didn't know who the Cowboys' backup quarterback was either, which doesn't say much for me as a football fan. Usually, at least I know who the backup is for most teams. But uh, I looked at his uh, his draft profile coming into 2017, and some of the things that Lance Zierlein said at, at NFL.com was uh, that uh, very smart pro- quarterback processes uh, coverages and reads the field well, uh, very good pocket awareness and pocket presence, uh, anticipates throws well. Uh, the negatives were weak arm and uh, not very mobile. And uh, Sterling called said he had a frumpy body type, uh, which <laughs> I thought. What the hell's a funny. frumpy body type? <laughs> well, well does it deal like with posture? Little, uh, you know, like he's uh... frumpy. Was I, I take it to be like not not ripped? You know, like kind of a little oh, uh, a little bit of spare tire and, and that kind of thing. Not your typical kind of athletic look, as if uh, looking like a, 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 a model for. Men's underwear is going to make you a better quarterback. Yeah, well, exhibit A, Tom Brady. Um, Exactly. Exhibit B, the Patriots quarterback. uh, Down in 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 the skivvies, down in the Tom Brady's Mm -hmm. uh, draft uh, combine photo, like that's uh, so famous where he's down with shorts and, and yeah, the guy doesn't have a muscle on him. But but anyway, that was was the the draft – Profile for Rush coming out of Central Michigan and looking at his uh, throws against uh, this year in the preseason, uh, I felt that that was you know mobility-wise, he kind of is Kirk Cousins type thing where he will run if he has to, but he's not going to run unless he has to, and he's not going to outrun anybody, but he will take off, uh, but he's not going to escape anybody in the pocket, and his arm is not the normal uh, bazooka kind of type. Uh, missile, projectile type, type strong arm that most uh, NFL teams want to see their quarterbacks have. His, his deep balls kind of flutter a bit. They hang up in the air more. And one of the, the things that Zierlein said in his scouting report of Rush is that uh, he gets away with a lot of throws at Central Michigan, anticipating at the NFL level, those throws are some of those are going to get picked off. If Rush is in there tomorrow, I hope that that will be the case. Um, I think yeah, the, for the, nice. the Cowboys, yeah. Uh, so it, that's the little that we all know about Cooper Rush. That's a little, a few things I found out just looking through the internet this week. Good. Well, let's go on to our next topic. 
the Cowboys offense, and I will bring up that slide real quick. Their offense versus our defense. Here's the grades across the board from PFF, as we, as we just explained before, their rankings, football outsiders who do theirs differently, their DVOA rankings, and Elias Sports, who are the ones that give ESPN, uh, CBS, NFL Network all their numbers. That's your basic box score numbers. They are right there. And of course, because I have the GMG 2OB graphics over, you cannot see the over-under, but the over-under, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, is about 51 and a half. Yeah, the offensively, the, the, Ooh, wrong the side. Cowboys have never, never right. really been... Yeah, that's our offense. But, Hold on, but there we uh, go. When you, there you go. Their offense. Ooh, there yeah. The, their offense, it's uh, it's good. Uh, it's very good. <laughs> they've uh, they've uh, they're they're they've got the, the highest. Uh, they're the top scoring offense per game right now. They they've had the most got the most first downs of anybody in the NFL. They're averaging thirty four points a game on a real roll lately. They haven't in the last four games. They haven't scored less than thirty five points a game. And uh, even in today's high scoring NFL, that that's still pretty impressive. And they, they got two guys, Elliott and Pollard, who average over five yards a carry, and Pollard's averaging over six, or I think he's got around six yards per carry. He doesn't carry the ball as much as, as, as Zeke, but uh, he's been very effective. Uh, you might remember Pollard with that big run last year when Chris Jones did the old A tackle and <laughs> let him run for a 40-yard touchdown. Uh, they got three guys, Lamb, Cooper, and the tight end Schultz with over 30 catches. And if the press uh, Cedric game, Wilson's you know, up there too. Yeah, Wilson's a little bit of a lesser guy. He's kind of the number the number three guy. He's the so slot Michael guy. Michael Gallup in there. Yeah, yeah. but uh, he, he has to be accounted for too. So a lot of weapons on there. Their offensive line, very good. <laughs> Tyron Smith is quest- questionable for this game, but yes. I, I imagine he'll play. And uh, and and. Uh, they got Leo Collins back, but it doesn't sound like he's going to play. They'll have Steele over at the right tackle position, but they are a very good offensive line. Prescott, when he's played this year, he's been sacked only eight times, uh, and so they can they can hurt you with the run, they can hurt you with the pass, they protect the quarterback well, and it's uh, they're very very tough to, to play. I think that to play against. I think you know for the Vikings, like you said. Whoever's that quarterback, they got to get after him, make him comfortable. Doesn't mean that they sack them all the time, but they've got to make them get rid of the ball maybe a little earlier than they want, throw off target a little bit, and and then Breland and Dantzler have to have I think big games. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Dantzler is going to be starting at the opposite corner, and that Alexander will remain in the slot. Those three guys will be on the field a lot, regardless. But really, Dantzler and Breland have to have very good games. Breland's been playing much better the last two, three games. After last three. Very, yeah, very, very uh, poor play before that. Dantzler is a bit more of a wild card because uh, while I like him, I like him because I think he makes plays. He does give up some plays, but he also makes plays, interceptions, pass defense, that sort of thing. But he hasn't played that much this year. When he has played, he's looked pretty good, but the snaps have been limited. So, And he certainly 
uh, hasn't played against Cooper, uh, you know, two wide receivers like Cooper and C.D. Lamb at this point. Although D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Locke aren't chopped liver, but uh, these two guys are, are pretty good as well. Good. So very, 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 very tough. I think for the Vikings defensively, you know that Dallas is going to get some. Uh, they're going to get some points, maybe hopefully less of rushes in the game. But uh, whatever they do, you got to make them earn it and uh, not have them score quickly and not let them get out like a 10 to 14 point lead and get us in catch up mode. And in that, in that case, we're, we're chasing the score. We maybe not, are not able to use the run game as much as we'd like. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a big key. Don't, don't get into a big, 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 big shootout with them. And yeah, you look at those pressures. Uh-huh. Uh, what I like about the Vikings defensive line is I like Hunter all the time. It was a little quiet in the Carolina game, but the, they devoted some extra attention to him as well. You should. Griffin's been very, uh, very, very pleasant surprise to me, uh, just with the amount of his effectiveness in the time that he's been here. I know there's concerns about snap counts for him and not using him too much, but uh, you know, the, the if you're going to not Play him. You're, if you're going to play him less than you would like, you need somebody else, DJ Wanham, for instance, mm-hmm. and whoever else is the other defensive end. They have to contribute when they're in there, and that's well, been a it, bit of a problem. Well, it looks like it's going to be Willikies. Willikies should be called up. I was told he's going to be called up tomorrow from the practice squad. He will get that last position of snaps. We were all ho- hoping Patrick Jones would do it. Um, Patrick Jones is questionable on the Vikings site. He's out on the Dallas site. Um, so I don't expect him to play. He had, it's listed as a knee popped up Friday and you never want to see a knee injury pop up anytime during the week. So most likely it is a Willikies that will be that third person in that rotation and probably may get as many snaps as Weatherly did, which is about eight snaps a game. It's not going to yeah. be too terrible. No, like I think Weatherly had nine against Carolina before mm-hmm. he got traded. Uh, another guy down there in your graphic, Dalvin Tomlinson, mm-hmm. uh, I thought he had a very nice game against uh, Carolina, and he's been coming on a bit more, at least on the pass rush. On the, on the run defense, there's still issues all over the, the Vikings defensive right. unit, but but I think Dallin Tomlinson's starting to be – he showed up more. And certainly Ironman Watts, who got a ton of playing time against Carolina. We'll see if that holds out this week. But with uh, Michael Pierce out, it probably is going to play a lot. He's uh, going to he need to because that, that rushing game yeah. by Dallas is very good. And you know yeah. with a backup quarterback, the one thing they're going to ask him to do the most is hand off the ball. Oh, yeah, I would think – if, if I was Dallas, and uh, if, I think he would, if Rush is the quarterback, I think that the, the game plan for them is going to be very similar to what Green Bay did against Arizona Thursday night, which is, you, you know, you got a very good running game, you got a great offensive line, and you got an um, inexperienced QB. Give it to Zeke, give it to Pollard, see what you get. You're, you're probably not going to get stuffed too, too often. You're going to get positive yardage. Get have Rush get the ball out of his hands quickly, get it to particularly C.D. Lamb on some wide receiver screens, 
with a couple of blockers out in front of him and uh, see where that uh, that leaves you a lot of times. They probably won't take many deep shots, uh, maybe one or two, but I think that the, the, the game plan that Green Bay used against Arizona would be, with Cooper Rush in there, would be the one that I think Dallas would use with the running game they had. Now, can they be as effective doing that with Cooper Rush compared to when that team from Wisconsin has Aaron Rodgers, even though he didn't play all that great either, but still, I think that the things that the Arizona defense was trying to do is impacted by the fact that Rodgers is the guy taking the snaps, right? You're, you're, they didn't get a whole lot of pressure on him, and I, and you just can't take as many chances as a defense when you've got Aaron Rodgers there. Cooper Rush is the quarterback. I think when he does throw, the Vikings are going to probably try to blitz a lot more than they would with if Prescott was in the game. I think that they'll try to use him as much as they can. Not that you wouldn't do that with any quarterback, but hopefully – you'd think it would be a little easier to confuse Rush, who, though he's a smart guy, he hasn't played in very much in an NFL game, and certainly he hasn't played much in an NFL game with, with the, the players he's playing. But he does have some great weapons to throw to when he does it. But I think that their game plan with Rush is going to be very similar to what Green Bray was pulled off against Arizona. Mm-hmm. How effective it's going to be, we hope not very effective. Gotcha. Moving on to our next talking point, the Cowboys' defense is not so good. So let's look at our O versus their defense. And football outsiders disagrees with me on that, but uh, in, in more <laughs> of the uh, and, and it's they, weird they had them. on how PFF and Football Outsiders has numbers so skewed and different. Sometimes, um, but yes, yeah, but, they have theirs. Not bad. Yeah, and uh, I think football outsiders. It's more they don't actually like they don't actually grade players and look at tape. No. They're just crunching numbers, right? So they're uh, crunching team numbers and schedules and power strength of um, you know power type stuff, and they're looking at it that way. And, but the, schedule. But the, yeah, but the, the Cowboys defense, they, they haven't been getting a ton of, uh, of sacks. Uh, their run defense has been, by the numbers, has been uh, pretty good. But uh, the pass defense has given up a lot of yardage. But the thing about the run defense is that what I wonder about those numbers is that uh, in most of the games, the Cowboys have come up on the teams they've played and kind of forced those, their opponents to play from behind, in which case they're not going to run the ball nearly as much as they normally would. I think that might have a little bit of something to do with uh, their counting stat, Russian defense mm-hmm. numbers being uh, as good as they are. I, uh, the Patriots ran pretty effectively against them in the last game. And again, with the, the Vikings running, running game being uh, it's the past the run blocking has been an issue this year for us, but uh, they felt that they, they did pretty well Carolina two weeks ago. It, it helped that Dalvin Cook was back because he can he he's got more he's more elusive and can turn mm-hmm. something that's nothing into into something good a lot easier than, than Alexander Madison. And uh, Cook will have to do that again this week because uh, he'll be a focus of the Dallas defense, just like he's a focus of every opposing defense that faces us. But 
the, the, the really thing that Dallas has done well, of course, is it's down there, you can see in the allies, is, is the, the turnovers they've generated. They've mm-hmm. got 11 interceptions, seven of them from Trevon Diggs, who's, uh, I don't know if uh, the Vikings cornerbacks in total probably aren't going to get seven this year, the way things are going. So uh, <laughs> Diggs is going to lap, lap our, our team oh, right if he, there. And if he gets another one, that sets, sets or ties the consecutive game streak record but so hopefully that's not the case I the, the, what, I, what I've seen and what the numbers tell me is that the Vikings offense should be able to move the ball and score some points um, against this, this defense now the, the thing is and you were talking about how Dallas is uh, their offense uh, I think they're 16 point differential and how they how many points they score at home as opposed to on the on road, the road meaning that uh, they score 16 points less on the road for far this year. The Vikings have kind of been the other way. Like they've scored more on the road this year than they have at home. You know, they had the Cleveland game, the seven-point stinker. They were very listless and got 19 against Detroit. They had, they had 31 against Seattle. That's nice, and we'd like to see similar kind of uh, point total on Sunday night for them. But they haven't been as explosive at home yet as, as we would like. But uh, really – I think they'll move the ball. They just have to be careful and take good care of the ball. What's helped the, the Dallas defense, I think, quite a bit has been the turnovers they've been getting, and that's been reducing the amount of uh, scoring opportunities the uh, opponent's head sets up your offense as well. They've had a couple of pick sixes from Trevon Diggs. That's always nice. Uh, so ball security is going to be key for the Vikings, and they were a little bit sloppy on that end in Carolina. They had three fumbles. They only lost one, but they put three on the ground. And you don't uh, want to so. put any on the ground. No, and, and they got lucky because two of the ones that were on the ground were near the sideline right. uh, and got recovered by our guys, but that's not always the case. You know, the Vikings had three fumble uh, recoveries against Carolina in that game. Uh, it was again. That's where you, where the, or they had two, but it, you know, it's where the fumble occurs. Sometimes is, is the big key, and we got to have good ball screen in this game. And most, most time, most of this year, the, the first six games, the Vikings have been, had good ball security. They haven't turned it over very much, uh, and that has to continue because you don't want to give the Dallas deep uh, offense extra shots, especially uh, with less yardage to uh, less yardage to go to. When, you, when they get those shots, I think that, that's going to be a key. Yeah, Stephen just said, whoever doesn't turn over the ball and keeps the uh, penalties low, and that's a good chance. Now, if you think about the Dallas defense, they do have a pass rush. It is yep. decent. There's their top three pressure guys, and those are good numbers. Those are good numbers they across are. the board. You have two lines. You've Michael, got a – Michael Parsons. You got a linebacker, a defensive end, and an interior three tech. Now they've been playing Micah Parsons, who's number eleven there in your mm-hmm. in your. Uh, and that's weird. Graphics. He's wearing it's that new number system, and he oh, yeah. switched it. But, but it was been, hard finding a jersey with that number or a picture with him with that number. He's uh, but they've been using him. In the games I've seen, more kind of like a, a like outside a three, linebacker, like linebacker up. in a three three four rushing, standing mm-hmm. up. Sometimes he's got the is a, is a, he's got the hand in the ground too. So he's more of a been more of a of a pass rush guy 
and like a linebacker coverage guy, a guy who's doing getting a lot of tackles. Gregory's their top sack guy. As you see, he's got 22 pressures. He's got four sacks. He's their, their top sack guy. Uh, the, the other dude, I uh, can't pronounce his name, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oda Zigwa, Zua, something like that. Yeah. And they got Dan Quinn as their the defensive coordinator, I believe. And uh, he's always, uh, back in the Seattle days, he was known for bringing the heat with, with, the, with the Legion of Boom. Uh, and uh, he's, he's down there now in Dallas running the defense, and they're uh, not nearly as terrible as they were last year, but they also uh, have been, they've had some guys step up. they got Parsons in the lineup now, which is a nice addition. Uh, Trevon Diggs has taken a step, although a guy, a Diggs is a guy, is, he's kind of a risk-reward dude, right? Like mm-hmm. against Very the much. Game, he had that, had that pick six. The next play, he bites hard on a double move, move from Kendrick Bourne and gives up like a, a 70, uh, 70 yard touchdown that, that, you know, tied the game and then really swung the momentum there for a little bit. So I think that the Vikings can offensively, they can take advantage of his aggressiveness. You know, he wants to get interceptions. You know, he wants to get that eight one. We've got good receivers who run really good routes. Let's start baiting him into trying to jump stuff, double move him. And then, go over the top on him and see if we can get some big plays by taking advantage of, of his aggressiveness. That would be, I'm sure the Vikings have noticed that. They're going to try that if they get time to do it. All right, Stephen, you said if uh, we have a question about the boys, good friend of our show, Luke Braun of Locked on Vikings, found out that Quinn has moved from the basic cover three that was employed in Seattle and he did down in Atlanta to a cover one. You guys play a cover one more, meaning one high safety, one safety comes in the box, and then everybody else is man on. Is that correct? Because if it is, it could be a long day for you guys. We've got wide receivers that can beat the man on situations, and I suspect that Mike Zimmer will be targeting that. Um, you have, you're going to come up to the line, up to the line of scrimmage. Kirk Cousins will look if he's got, uh, <clears throat> say, a corner line nine yards off of a wide receiver. He's going to audible to a quick screen, throw it that way, take three steps, chuck it, right, and then we go for let the receiver run because he's got a cushion. And if he's one-on-one on the, on the other side or they delay, then it could be just a deep pass, just a smoke route, you know, run up straight down, and he could call those. That will switch to his first read, and he can go. I see you say the big nickel. You have J. Ron Curse. J. Ron Curse is yeah, having yeah. his best season ever. You have him at safety. We had him at corner. But we played him at the big nickel as well. I'm happy for J-Ron that he is playing well down there. But he is not unfamiliar to this team. Not so, always the great guy at, uh, at coverage, J-Ron. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm also, I always, I liked Curse when he was with the Vikings. You know, he, seventh round guy, uh, you know, wrote that was on the sidelines, a special teams guy for like three years. He, did his time. He developed. He got better. 
uh, they, and uh, didn't leave on the best of terms from Minnesota. I don't think he was very happy with the, the amount of playing time and how he was valued by Zimmer. That's kind of how I read it. But uh, he's he's a guy that, you know, he, he can do some things. He can, mm-hmm. he can send them rushing the, the quarterback now and then. Uh, he's kind of playing like a big nickel or almost kind of a, a small linebacker type de- deal. Uh, just don't ask him to be in man coverage very much. Right, or to roam in the safety position because he's – that's not his thing. Um, not but a lot of people wanted him to stay in Minnesota. We liked him. I had, I personally had no issues with him. I like the idea of the big nickel. But I'm glad he's being used. Yes, and these coaches do know each other, Steve. They know each other very, very well. So it's not quite an interdivision game, but it's close. Both McCarthy and Zimmer make uh, similar conservative play calling decisions <laughs> and, when it, and know, stupid when they, time management decisions. Yeah, uh, which uh, and we'll see if that rears its ugly head in this game as well for either team or both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking to see both of them make questionable uh, uh, play uh, uh, decisions and down and distance and uh, <laughs> and, and and as you say, uh, clock management type uh, decisions as well. Now, let's move on to the third one you wanted to talk about. Oh, I wanted to show, before we move on, the Vikings O-line rankings. Uh, PFF thinks we suck. <laughs> uh, they always do. So, But, however, Football Outsiders has the Vikings extremely good for the O-line. They got him second and pass, which is shocking to me, and uh, ninth against the run. I hope that's the case. I don't see it. Now, having Darisaw in there, it's going to help. They're going to be tested. Darisaw will get tested this weekend. Yes, uh, but he was tested last weekend. And he did great. And and Hassan Reddick are are not uh, poor players by any stretch. Maybe not as good as some people think they are, uh, but uh, I, yeah, I thought Darisaw held up very well against Carolina, and uh, he's going to have his. I suspect he'll have some some shaky, rough outings, but um, you know, Randy Gregory, if he gets lined up against Randy Gregory, that'll be a, a nice test for him. He's going to have to face throughout his whole career. He's going to have to. He's going to be facing the best pass rushers of each team most of the time. So. Uh, might as well get used to it, and we might as well see what he's got. Because mm-hmm. we know what Rashad Hill has got, and that's uh, backup quality stuff. Yep. Clifford, glad you got your internet back. And Stephen brings us into our next subject. Oh is this God. game going to come down to the kicker again? Are we going to make it or miss it? Is he going to be a hero or a zero? You wanted to talk about Greg Joseph. I do, and I will. Thank you, Dave. That's a nice montage of, of Joseph. I think it sums up things, uh, his season. I think that it hasn't been talked about. I haven't seen it talked about a whole lot, but uh, Joseph has missed four kicks this year, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a lot. But um, – I, to me, I feel that the Vikings, again, yet again, have a kicker problem. 
And uh, yes, he made that kick, last second kick against Cincinnati, which got us into the overtime. 53 or 54 yarder. Yeah, 54 yarder. Yes, he made the 55 yarder against Detroit with no time left to win it. Another clutch kick. But when you look at the misses he's had, he missed the, you know, he missed the 37 yarder. Everybody knows that against the Cardinals. Uh, not a chip shot, but close to it. Uh, in the Detroit game, the reason he had to kick the 55 yarder along with Madison fumbling was that he missed the 49 yarder a few minutes before that basically would have sealed the game. And that forced him to force him to have to kick the 55 yarder. And against Carolina, he had, you know, he missed a 50 yarder that would have sealed the game again. And then he missed a 47 yarder. He wasn't close on either of them that would have won it. Um, he's making me, he seems to be most of like three of his four misses have been under 50 yards. So for uh-huh. whatever reason, uh, that 35 to 40, you know, the, the 30 to 40, 40 plus 40 to 49 yard range is where he's having his trouble. But I just, I don't want, I, he's a guy, he's making under $800,000 a year. And every game, it seems like he is a guy who the game is on the line. And we're asking a guy making $800,000 a year to win the game for us. I don't like that. Um, it, and I don't want to see that happen again. I'd like to see the guy who's making $31 million be the guy that's, that's, you know, the game is in his hands. And he's done very, Kirk Cousins has done very well in late game situations this year, very well. Not, none of this is on him, but it's just sometimes the Vikings make play-calling decisions late in games where they're playing for, and I've said it before, where they're playing for a field goal when they should be playing for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I know things can happen when you drop back to pass, and a guy like Cousins is not great at, at avoiding the rush. I know it can result in a sack. I know he gets a lot of passes tipped, and sometimes those ones bounce up in the air and could get intercepted. Yeah, sure. But uh, look what's happening when Joseph is being asked to kick game-winning field goals under 50 yards. It ain't good. Uh, and the interesting thing is that the Vikings are number one this year in uh, the amount of field goals attempts per game, 2.8. That's number one. Now, that's not such a bad thing. Uh, like two other, the, the Bills and the Cowboys are two and three. Uh, I think they've been they're averaging two point six uh, field goal attempts per game. So that that you know a lot of field goal attempts attempts does mean that your offense is moving the ball. That's good. I just feel on the Vikings end of things, we're sometimes settling for field goals late in the games when we need to be scoring a touchdown to put the game away completely, and we don't do that. And I don't know why Zimmer, who doesn't really like kickers and doesn't trust them, is putting a lot of trust into Greg Joseph to win games. Right. Uh, and particularly the, with the way he's kicked in these situations this year. Yeah, he made some couple of big kicks, and he's missed four big kicks. So I feel that this isn't right now. It's not Dan Bailey territory, but it isn't a whole lot better. It's not and great. It's and not great. As Minnesota fans, we know there seems to be some sort of curse on the kicker. And if you want to learn about Vikings curses, uh, Purple Insider today had a special podcast they dropped specifically with a curse expert. 
And uh, they discussed some of the kicking curses in Minnesota and where possibly the Minnesota curse came from. And you'll shake your head when they come to the conclusion. Anyways, and yes, we have problems with kickers. I agree with you. I don't disagree. Uh, He's been good, surprisingly good in situations. And other times when we needed him, we haven't had him. And I agree with you. I don't want to have to rely on a kicker to win a game. I want that to be a rare thing. I want us to go out and score 40 points and bury whoever we're playing. That way we don't have to worry about the kicker making a last-minute field goal because we're up by two scores. Yep. Is that too much to ask? I know with Mike Zimmer it is, but... (laughs) Yeah, and it's just that this this game is... It probably will come down to a field goal, but uh, I don't want it to come down to a field goal. And if the Vikings... On Wednesday, I called it as coming down to a field goal. Now, hopefully it doesn't now that Dak isn't playing, but of course, we always play to the competition, so it's going to be close. Well, you were saying it uh, after the Carolina game, Dave, when I was complaining about about the victory on you know when we messaged each other, and and you, I think you nailed it. Was just that, hey, hey, Darren, uh, get used to it because this is this is who we are. We play close games. We can't put teams away. We don't have the hey, killer Clark. instinct like Clifford says. What, what, however, you get that mm-hmm. killer instinct, but I think it a lot of it has to do with uh, you know the 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 attitude and the the willingness of the coaching staff to I understand that take chances and. And uh, we a lot of times we, we go conservative when we should <laughs> we should be aggressive, and, and then we'll be aggressive when we should be cons- maybe a little bit conservative. It all seems like uh, in the Carolina game, I, I remember the, the the drive before the, uh, the the one that Joseph missed. Uh, mm-hmm. He had Cousins took a deep shot. He took two deep shots a couple of times to, to JJ and then to Thielen. And neither in neither cases were uh, those guys open, uh, but he threw it anyway. That was aggressive. I would have liked to seen him look for somebody, somebody to get a first down and keep things rolling instead of trying to chuck it deep. But then, then on that that one where uh, we had a drive, we ran it on third and eight with Cook. We ran outside, which hadn't been getting any kind of traction all game. Carolina had been stuffing the outside runs. We've been getting. Our running game had been where we've been making the big gains was through the middle, surprisingly enough. We run wide, we lose yardage, and that was a situation. Third and eight. Hey, come on! You've got Thielen. You've got Thielen who was having a great game. Osborne. You've got JJ who was having a nice game. Osborne was solid. Conklin was getting you know some big gains. Some somebody's got to be able to get open for a nine or ten yard gain there and get a first down and keep things going. But we settled for we we're looking to settle for a field goal in that situation. And it bit us in the ass, which it, it often does. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> it happens. Um, it, Clifford, it happens a lot. Um, do you have your speakers on, Darren? I do. Um, Clifford, there's no 100% yet. They said it's going to be a game-time decision, but everything indicates such, and Vegas thinks such. When we went from a 
Cowboys being two and a half point favorites, and now the Vikings are three point favorites. So Vegas usually knows its stuff. Should Anthony Barr play on the line? My answer to that is no. Um, I don't mind Anthony Barr rushing. I just don't. He's not a put his hand in the dirt defensive end, outside linebacker type. He does not do well against big linemen. He does well against running backs. He'll blow their doors off every day, and uh, but not against big linemen. He needs to be in that odd man where the running back comes and picks him up. And they now, really haven't had him do that very much anyway throughout his right. career. He hasn't really been doing that sort of thing since he played at UCLA. So I think it's it's a little bit late to have him, you know, uh, teaching all old dog new tricks or an old dog his old trick, <laughs> maybe on that one. So yep. uh, Zimmer isn't going to be using him any differently than he already has. Right. You wanted to talk about the standings. And for folks out there, I know that's hard to see, especially if you're on a small screen. But you can see right now in the NFC, if the NFC ended today, the Vikings are the seventh seed and they get the final playoff spot. It's a wild card and they'd go up against, as it sits as of today, this will probably change tomorrow, but as of today, they'd go up against Green Bay. Which, of course, we'd relish because any time we get to beat Green Bay, especially in Lambeau, is a wonderful thing. Um, Can they stay there? Do you see any team below them? Take the three-win teams, Atlanta, Chicago, and Carolina. Are any of those three teams better than the Vikings? They aren't, but they also have easier schedules than we do. Uh, I think that's that's really the, the the big thing. Yeah, the Vikings. Vikings are three and three. I think they're. You know, I, I wanted to show the standings there, even though it's tough to read. But you, you went through it for very well, and mm-hmm. and you know, again, if the season ended today, the Vikings would be in the playoffs. In the, playoffs. Well, the season doesn't end today, uh, but the the point, you know, for me is that this. Stretch here, starting with Dallas. You play Baltimore next week. Then you got that team from Wisconsin, the Chargers, yada yada yada. It's the gauntlet. The Viking. It's the gauntlet, and it's this is this is the this is where the season is going to be made or lost. And the Vikings, if they, I'm sure in their their room, they believe they're better than three and three. Uh, some of us think that they're probably they've gotten what they deserve so far. Uh, and the, 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 their record is is more kind of more accurate to who they are, but they it's all out there for them, Dave, right now. Mm-hmm. They come out of this stretch going three and one, you know, three and two, or four and one, or four and two over the next five or six games. Then they set themselves up for making the playoffs, and they've beaten some really good teams and had some statement games and shown that they can hang with the big boys. You know they're not they're not just the king of the dipshit teams like Drew Bunning right. always likes to call them our buddy. They they actually can kill some of the giants. The Vikings are not a giant right now in my opinion. They're they're an okay team. Uh, on their best day they can beat some really good teams. On the worst day they can lose to some really bad teams. Probably not going to get blown out in any of those games. But they're not an elite team right now. But I think right. you have to 
an elite team is what it's going to take to get to a Super Bowl. That's what we all want. And this next stretch of games, the Vikings have to start playing like they think they're capable of and like even I think they're capable of. So. Where all three phases come together yes. for a full game. All three for a full game, not half the game, not one quarter, not two quarters, not three quarters, four fucking quarters. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're talking about. And if they don't do that, they're going to go through this stretch either two or three or one and four. And somebody like Atlanta with a much weaker schedule, even though if we played Atlanta at home or away, I think we'd be favored by three or more points and we should probably win those games. But uh, sometimes if, if, if you've got a tougher schedule and you don't play good football, you don't play a game in games that if you don't play well in a game that you're going to be a uh, an underdog against, like, say, Baltimore next weekend. Mm-hmm. If you don't put in an effort like that team from Wisconsin did on Thursday against Arizona, you're not going to win that game, and your playoff hopes are going to go down the toilet. Our three wins are against the 0-7 Lions, the 3-4 uh, and four Panthers, and the 2-5 and five Seahawks. Now the Seahawks had Russell Wilson at the time, so that's a little bit different than facing Geno Smith. But as a... Uh, uh, a fellow Canadian likes to sing Shania Twain. That don't impress me much. Those three <laughs> wins, okay? So start impressing me. And the Cowboys game would be particularly if I almost kind of hope that Prescott plays because if we play the, the Cowboys with Prescott and beat them, that's a statement win. That's the kind of win that can set the team up and get them even more confident going into Baltimore on the road, playing against Lamar Jackson and then going on the road against Justin Hebert, and on and on it goes. But if you beat Cooper Rush at home by whatever score, I don't know if that – it's nice to win, better than losing, but I don't know if that's such a great confidence builder. I don't know if that's a statement win for you. And the Vikings haven't had any statement. Well, I hate those kind of whoa, 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 cliches, but – It depends. Um, uh you had uh, Courtney Cronin this week said the best way to describe this game or how it should be approached is the quickest team to 40 points. And I think I heard Mike Florio or one of his guests say quickest to 50. That should be the goal. If the Vikings offense racks up points this game and destroys that defense, and Dallas has a good defense, and we get the win... It's still a good game, even though the Dallas offense didn't produce as much against our defense because they had a backup. I want to see us score points. If we outscore them, great. Now, if our defense holds, thanks to Cooper Rush playing, holds them to the Mendoza line, 17 points, oh yeah, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be pickled or tickled pink. But what I want to see is our offense produce. And if they run up and score 40 points on Dallas, which has a good defense, that is saying something. And that, to me, should be a confidence builder for them, that they can play with the big boys. Because I don't think Dak, even with Dak, that they would do 40 points against the Vikings in U.S. Bank Stadium against our defense. Our defense is too good for that. In my opinion, but hey, I'm just an old man that likes to drink beer. 
<laughs> this is true, Dave. I'm a great Viking fan too. Uh, yeah, I, do, I I hear your points. I just to me, if, if if you if you beat the having Cooper Rush in as a quarterback, never started in an NFL game uh, in his life, uh, like a regular season game, to have him go in, on prime time on the road against you know a pretty pretty decent team, I think that's a tall order to ask him to come through that and 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 play well and do enough to to win it for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think that it's a pretty much easier task for the Vikings defense to shut him down than to shut them down if Prescott's under center. Uh, so I, I think there's a huge asterisk to this win if the Vikings get the win, if Rush is the QB. And I don't think it, it'll con- it wouldn't convince me that this team is ready to go to Baltimore on the road in Baltimore and beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens down there. But if they beat Prescott even at home, then I'm thinking, you know, hey, so things are starting to turn a little bit different around here for the Vikings. Maybe maybe they do have a shot to be a, a team that, is, that matters, that can actually win a few games in the playoffs and be there in the championship, NFC championship game and, and compete for it. Right now, I don't feel that way. But if you start beating some of the big dogs, then I feel a lot different than if I'm beating Detroit and barely beating Detroit. We'll see. We'll see. Yes, we'll- we will. Um, with that, it's time to wrap this puppy up. This has been your pregame show on Saturday for tomorrow night's game. And stay tuned after the game, before the final whistle. You know, we usually go up at around the two-minute warning for climbing the pockets, the final score. We've got a special episode plan for everybody we're going to have the original climbing the pocket crew not only jason but we're gonna have miles um yinka and jordan reed on the show with us jr was one of the original four that formed climbing the pocket he has been with the draft network the last three years. He's a scout. He is in the business. Um, this week, he just resigned from the Draft Network. There is a special announcement coming tomorrow night, but you've got to watch to find out what it is. And it's going to be even all the better when the Vikings kick some cowboy ass. Any last words there, Darren? Well, I'm looking forward to a great game. Happy Halloween to everybody. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I've i said enough as it is, so I don't have any final words. But I want to thank Stephen White, uh, who I guess appears to be a Cowboy fan, uh, for coming on here and uh, being a good sport about it and giving mm-hmm. us some his thoughts on the Cowboys and the game. I thought that was great. And, um, yeah, I said tomorrow night – it's, it's, it's going to be fun. I can't imagine it'll be anything but the usual Viking close game where <laughs> they'll bite her heart attack turn. down to the last 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah. 
after Darren, they wasted Darren 30 seconds in the, second, shuts, in the first half. Darren shuts the game off in disgust like, uh, because the Cowboys <laughs> have come back and scored with two seconds left to tie the game after we had a 15-point lead or some damn thing like that. <laughs> yep. and, and, and then I can't, be, I can't bear to watch overtime, and then I have to depend on Dave giving me the thumbs up on Facebook Messenger to let me know what happened. Because that, that's what happened against Kitten in the Carolina game, folks. I was just so pissed <laughs> after Joseph missed the, the, that last field goal that the Vikings gave up that lead. Hey, boys, don't do that to me again, but I know they will. Mm-hmm. So, With that, everybody, we want you to have, continue having a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Enjoy your friends, your family, good food, and by all means, good beverages. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Skull Vikings! Go Vikings, baby. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Goal, everybody.